1: Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing,
0: believing is seeing. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all
2: to hear. Welcome back to another bonus episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year, every year. That's right, all 365 days per year, and all 366 days per leap year. And thank you again for joining us for another installment of Another Christmas Story, which I know is coming at you five days later than it normally does. But it's Christmas time. It's a busy time of year. So better late than never, right? And it just means you get two installments this week. But this week's chapter... This week's first chapter, chapter 45, will be read to y'all by our very own Tom Crow. And luckily for you, I don't have beginning of the episode housekeeping for y'all. So I'm just going to kick it over to him to read to you chapter 45 entitled The Christmas Song. Enjoy!
0: Chapter 45, The Christmas Song. December 25th, 2 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Oh, God. Mary groaned loudly upon noticing the crowd of people beginning to empty out of the cathedral across the street. She glanced up at Joey as she cradled her daughter close to her bosom. I don't want anyone else to see me like this, she explained pointedly, already mortified by how many people had been around to witness her giving birth. Sympathizing with the woman, Seamus Dwyer did his best to reassure her. We'll play crowd control until you get loaded up into the ambulance. Then, meeting Andrew's eyes, he added, Besides, it's probably a good idea to keep them away with the president out here anyway. He glanced at the nation's commander-in-chief who flashed him a grateful grin. I'll help. The two officers turned at the sound of the new voice and were surprised to find their boss, commanding officer Lindsay Peddleton, approaching them. She looked exhausted and as cold as the rest of them but there was also a palpable sense of relief exuding from her she was clearly happy to see them come on she jerked her head across the street where commander burke and two secret service officers the policemen recognized from television as always flanking the president were already working to keep the curious gathering of onlookers at bay seamus had no idea how long any of them had arrived on the scene how they had known where to find the president and the missing child in the end, or how much they had witnessed, but he was just as glad to see his boss as she was to see him. Smiling, Seamus and Andrew both nodded and followed her across the street. Aaron Rankin, meanwhile, stood stock still in the middle of the snowy sidewalk beside the manger, still gripping the side of his marching snare drum tightly as he breathed deeply and deliberately. He felt elated. Performing for a group of strangers on the street had been absolutely cathartic for him. He watched as the man inside of the manger anxiously eyed the ambulance slowly advance up the icy street as he stroked the head of the woman who was gently trying to calm her baby that began to cry the moment the emergency vehicle sirens reached its ears. Smirking to himself at the new family, Aaron was enraptured by the sight of them when a voice from somewhere behind him exclaimed loudly, "'Emily!' Bobby Williams hurried straight past the little drummer boy in the manger scene toward where his wife stood on the opposite side of it, flanked by her foreign counterparts. At the sound of his voice, Emily was shaken from her stupor. Bobby! Dropping her professional demeanor, she excitedly ran into his hug and allowed the man to plant an enormous kiss on her cheek. How did you know where to find us? Why did we have to come find you in the first place? Bobby raised an eyebrow as Emily smirked guiltily. Sheer dumb luck? Anna ignored the first gentleman's question in order to answer the president, who seemed shocked to see her as she and David Wells. The young Secret Service agent, whom she'd tricked into aiding her escape from the plaza earlier, also joined them. You had us worried sick, David pointed out, looking relieved. I do hope that we didn't cause you too much trouble, Emily said, as she gently pried herself from her husband's arms, unaware of the English Prime Minister rolling her eyes behind her. When david wells stared down at his feet uncomfortably anna said quickly it's nothing that you can't rectify later madam president i are you drunk her mouth dropped open aghast as she noticed the smell of alcohol rolling off of her boss for the first time as nathan shook his head adamantly wide-eyed barely able to suppress a mischievous smirk emily swayed gently on the spot held up her thumb and pointer her finger millimeters apart I may be a little bit tipsy, she admitted, taken aback that all of the drinks she had consumed earlier seemed to finally be catching up with her. I. Oh, pardon me. She covered her mouth after a loud hiccup escaped her lips with one hand as she used the other to push her glasses up the bridge of her nose. Speechless, Anna turned from her to her international colleagues, who had erupted into fits of laughter. "'I haven't seen you like this in years,' Bobby pointed out. "'Well, we had a reason to celebrate,' Nathan exclaimed, a bit louder than he had intended, his words slurring somewhat. "'A preliminary descalation agreement with Russia!' "'Shh!' As one Emily and Miranda both rounded on the Canadian Prime Minister. "'Keep your voice down!' "'Sorry,' Nathan blushed as Anna felt her phone buzz in the pocket of her winter coat. "'I'm a bit overzealous, I suppose.' I don't think it matters, David Wells pointed out, surprised all three world leaders by chiming in with his input. Gary was in the process of sending out the press release on tonight's call with Russia before we left the plaza, so I imagine everyone's heard it by now. Anna nodded as she stared down at her phone. That's not the only news, she began. That was Air Force One. Conditions over New England have cleared up enough to allow the airspace to open up again. Excellent! Now that's... Newsworthy of celebrating, Miranda said. Ignoring the British woman, Anna turned to the president. No point in going back to the plaza now. I'll call back and have everybody who's still there pack up, get into the motorcade, and come to pick us up here so we can go straight to the airport and get the hell out of here. Thank you, Anna. As the chief of staff made to walk away, Miranda stopped her. Speaking of people back at the hotel, where are our spouses and staff? She motioned between herself and nathan i'd imagine they'd be back at the plaza with the rest of ours anna informed the foreign prime ministers considering the secret service and nypd didn't even want me or the first gentleman to hit the streets with them and we didn't consult with them before heading out miranda threw up her hands in exasperated belief unbelievable then to no one in particular she said my own staff doesn't care enough about me to aid the americans in searching for me I'm sure our security detail is out on the streets looking, Nathan pointed out, in what he thought was a consoling sentiment, but which merely made Miranda roll her eyes and Emily and Bobby exchange an amused glance. Aaron Rankin watched as Anna Dreyfus walked away from the group with her phone to her ear. He had been watching the presidential reunion a few meters away from him with such a keen interest that it took him a few moments to notice the young woman standing even further past them, who stared at him intensely with a watery smile plastered on her face. As his eyes widened in shock, Aaron breathed softly. Mom? He couldn't believe it. How could his mother possibly be there in New York? Did he miss her so much that his eyes were playing tricks on him? As the woman started quickly for him, Aaron ran at her as fast as his legs would carry him, and he threw himself into her arms with such force that she nearly toppled her over. Mom! Oh, Aaron! The woman began kissing every inch of the top of his head what are you doing here aaron asked into her shoulders how you didn't think i'd miss our new york city debut now did you she held her youngest son out at arm's length in order to examine him and her stomach immediately constricted sickeningly at the sight of his bloodied knuckles are you okay she asked in a voice barely more than a whisper i'm fine mom aaron insisted it was the truth, too. He couldn't explain why, but playing for the young couple that was still huddled together in the warmth of the shabby-looking manger had made him feel immediately better. Seriously? Megan pursed her lips uncertainly, but couldn't pursue the matter, for at the moment, Jake saw- sidled up to them, shaking his head in amazement, open-mouthed. Dude, he breathed, staring at his younger brother, as though never having seen him properly before. You are awesome. Uh, Thanks, Jake. Aaron stammered, surprised yet pleased at his brother's sincerity and taken aback while he hugged him tightly. You really were, Megan insisted, fighting back tears of emotion in response to the brother's embrace. I'm glad you're okay, Jake insisted. Then, regaining his composure with a clear of his throat, he broke apart from his brother and added, Loser. <laughs> Laughing, Aaron replied with a smile. Thanks, jerk face. Engulfing both her sons in a tight hug, Megan insisted, I love you two so much. Patricia Warren uncertainly inched forward to join the Floridian family at that moment, clearing her own throat in order to announce her presence. At the sight of her, Megan released her sons and her eyes darkened instantly. The third grade teacher, however, only had eyes for her student. Aaron, she began softly, acutely aware of how tiny and cold he looked. I'm so sorry. Don't be, Aaron emphatically shook his head. I'm fine. It's fine. Seriously. Seriously. He added, throwing his mother a pleading look and silently urging her to leave leave his teacher alone. Honestly, this night turned out a lot better than I ever thought it would be. Both the boy's mother and teacher blinked, taken aback by the statement from the young child, but decided to take his word on the matter at face value. For the moment, at any rate. Instead, they switched to profusely praising his performance, which caused Aaron to smile bashfully. As the ambulance slowly crawled to a stop in front of the manger positioned at the end of the channel's garden, an emergency personnel hopped out of it. Hudson and Marcello quickly moved toward the shabby wooden structure. Pardon us, ma'am. The Italian began taking off his cap as a sign of respect for Mary, who seemed wary of their sudden appearance. But these animals actually belong to us. The enormous dog, the fat cat, and the tiny goat had been so quiet and so well-behaved, That both Mary and Joey had practically forgotten they were lying down on either side of the new mother. Indeed, it was only when the goat noticed the man who had just addressed the new mother that he bayed happily and excitedly leapt into his arms, causing him to laugh as he licked his face. As Joey smiled at the scene, Mary stared at the second man, the familiar-looking African-American. You took our picture earlier, didn't you? she asked as Hudson bent down to scoop up the cat, which purred contentedly and as it nuzzled his face. That's me, Hudson replied absent mindedly. Congratulations, he added, nodding at the tiny baby in the woman's arms before addressing the cat. Oh, it's good to see you, Dexter. And you too, booster. He bent down to pet the enormous pit bull, who licked his hand contentedly. Hudson was surprised despite being so agitated earlier in the evening, the animals seemed just as happy to see him as he was to see them. He'd been so sure they'd have put up a fight when they saw him. What do you say we go home, huh? Would you like that? <laughs> yeah, I bet. Come on. Then meeting Marcelo's eyes, he said, Thanks for your help looking for them. Don't to thank me, Marcelo insisted. After all, you were the one who led us here. Hudson smiled, but before he could reply, the first responders hurried toward them with a stretcher. Grabbing Booster by the neck, he guided the bridal dog to the left of the manger as he continued to clutch the cat close to his chest while marcello ducked to the right of the goat mary meanwhile let out a long breath that she hadn't realized she'd been holding as she addressed the emt personnel thank god you're here took you long enough joey eyed the two men with disdain uh we're sorry one of them insisted as he crouched down low beside mary we got here as fast as we could how you feeling he grabbed mary's wrist to feel her pulse cold mary insisted as her daughter continued to shriek think my baby is too a crying newborn's a sign of a healthy newborn the second emt worker insisted here let me take her while you climb onto the stretcher reluctantly mary handed over her baby and allowed joey and the emt that had taken her pulse to gently help her onto the stretcher as they wheeled her toward the ambulance she twisted and turned where she lay joey where are you i'm right here joey assured her don't worry i'm not going anywhere and when he tried to climb into the back of the emergency vehicle after the EMTs had loaded Mary and her daughter into it, however, he was pre- prevented from doing so. I'm sorry, sir. Family only. Taken aback, Joey opened his mouth to argue, but was saved having to do so when Mary spoke up. He is family. Who the hell do you think the father is? Joey blushed at the words, but they seemed to do the trick. After exchanging a glance, the EMT stood aside to allow him to climb aboard. Once he did and settled himself into the tiny space beside Mary, who smiled gratefully up at him and took his hand, then slammed the back doors of the vehicle shut, climbed into the front cabin, and slowly began to guide the vehicle up the street once again, driving to the hospital. Brittany watches the ambulance carrying the new parents edged away from the curb before joining Marcello, who was lost in his own world as Billy tickled him by continuing to lip his face where he stood alone, holding the goat close. "'He seems to be in good spirits,' she smiled up at the man, "'who appeared surprised by her sudden appearance. "'Hi, Billy,' she cooed as she stroked his small furry head. "'Better spirits tonight, have thought,' Marcello admitted, "'so grateful that the baby goat was okay "'that he was reluctant to place him down onto the snowy ground. "'Thanks for being braving the elements tonight to help me find him.' "'Anytime, you know that,' Brittany insisted. "'Besides, I love this goat as much as you do.' She scratched his head, which caused Billy to lean into her touch contentedly. Marcello still down at the beautiful Roquette, who met his eyes unflinchingly. As the glow from the city's Christmas lights twinkled on her face, he was overcome for the briefest of moments by a sudden urge to lean down and kiss her. The two of them had always had a flirty rapport, and he was absolutely taken by how much she cared for his animals. The moment, however, passed almost as quickly as it had arrived, and blushing a deep shade of red, he diverted his eyes. We should probably get back to Radio City. We need to get him warmed up. Brittany nodded her agreement, pink in the face. We should say goodbye to Aaron first, though, don't you think? She indicated the sweet boy that was being doted on by his mother and teacher a few meters away. Marcello nodded his agreement, and together they made their way over to the small group of people from Tampa Bay. When Aaron first caught sight of them through the arms of his teacher, his eyes widened. Marcello! Brittany! Brittany! hello sports Marcello smiled as the boy extricated himself from his teacher in order to dash around them so Brittany could hug him we were so worried about you Brittany said as she held him out at arm's length to look him up and down Aaron shuffled his feet guiltily in response to the innocent comment I'm sorry he mumbled that I missed the show I mean I it's not your fault Brittany insisted with a warm smile absolutely not mrs warren loudly agreed a little more enthusiastic than she probably would have been had the boy's mother not been standing right beside her but you guys flew out to see me play aaron began his voice practically a whine now as his face turned to his mother and brother and we did get to see you play mega gently reminded him with a smile sad that her son felt so bad about something that wasn't his fault in the slightest and you were amazing you really were Brittany concurred we should be apologizing to you marcello chimed in for not being more watchful of you and daniel backstage what happened back at radio city he shook his head it shouldn't have happened mrs warren nodded her agreement smiling aaron remarked i guess it all worked out in the end i mean i did still get to perform he threw a look at the now empty manger You know, I feel like I should be thanking you too, Marcello added, taking the boy by surprise. Nodding down at the tiny goat in his arms, he explained, You kept Billy safe for us. It was nothing, Aaron blushed as he leaned forward to scratch the goat's head. In return, Billy turned to lick the boy's face contentedly, making him laugh. I'm going to miss this guy. That's actually why we came over, Marcello began, somewhat sadly as Brittany nodded, to say goodbye. Really? Though he knew the inevitable moment had been coming, Aaron hadn't expected it to be so soon, and he wasn't entirely sure how he felt about it. Yeah, Brittany smiled, sadly. We have to get Billy back to Radio City and warm him up. Besides, you should get home yourself. Santa's not going to visit you until you're asleep. Oh, that's true, Aaron conceded. It was so nice meeting you. Brittany wrapped him in a tight hug. Don't you ever change. The world needs more sweethearts like yourself, okay? Okay. After Aaron nodded into her shoulder, she held him out at arm's length again. And you know what? I bet Holly shares the same sentiment, she added with a playful wink. Oh my god, Holly! Aaron thought to himself. His evening had turned out to be so eventful in the end that he had nearly forgotten about the girl that had occupied his thoughts for such a large part of the day. Was she mad at him for missing the Christmas spectacular? Did she manage to overcome her stage fright? Before he could ask either of these questions, however, Brittany added... Don't ever forget what Marcello and I taught you about bullies, okay? Aaron grinned. Okay. Promise me. I promise. Good. Brittany swooped in for one final hug and swiftly kissed him on the cheek, which made Aaron blush. Chuckling at the reaction, Marcello stepped forward and ruffled his hair. Don't be a stranger, alright? Any time you're in the city, feel free to reach out. We'd love to see you again. I know Billy definitely would. At the mention of the goat's name, Aaron leaned down to kiss it upon its head. Bye, Billy. I'm going to miss you. In return, the goat bade sadly and licked the boy's face one last time. As Megan watched her youngest son say goodbye to the Radio City employees, she began to well up once more. People who met Aaron always loved him and always seemed charmed by his kind soul. But to see how much the Rockette, the animal handler, and even the goat would miss her son, how much he seemed to have touched them in less than half a day was truly astonishing. You both for looking after my son today, she spoke up. I am eternally grateful. Hudson Jackson watched the emotional goodbyes from where he stood a few yards away on the opposite edge of the vacant manger, with Booster sitting obediently at his side and Dexter still in his arms. He wanted to bid the Italian man and the rockette farewell for himself, but he didn't want to ruin the moment for them. At any rate, watching them bid poignant adieus to the small boy made him realize he had, had a conversation of his own to have with somebody in his life that he cared about very deeply. So as he led the dog toward the crashed trunk further down the street, away from the slowly dwindling church crowd and the cops and the Secret Service were still keeping at bay, he pulled out his phone to dial the person in the world he probably was closest to besides his mother. After five and a half rings, a groggy voice answered the phone on the other end of the line. Hello? Hey, Abby. Hudson? His co-worker asked, sounding more alert. And Hudson could just imagine the woman sitting up in bed as she turned on her bedside lamp. What time is it? Are you okay? It's just past two in the morning, Hudson answered, glaring down at his watch. And I'm fine. Actually, I've never been better, he laughed awkwardly. Then what? You were absolutely right, Abby, about everything. You woke me to tell me something I already knew, Abby asked, a hint of flirty placefulness evident in her voice despite her annoyance, which made Hudson sigh in relief as he smiled. No, he replied. I woke you up to apologize to you. He took a deep breath as he glanced down at Booster, taking a moment as he guided the dog along the icy sidewalk. I've been making excuses in my life to prevent myself from going after the things I really want whether it's owning pets or getting a new job or asking women out on dates he gulped i've been making excuses in order to wallow in self-pity and wander aimlessly through life i'm done with that now i'm quitting this job tomorrow he nodded and, and as the words escaped his lips he felt as though a giant weight were being lifted off of his shoulders i'm done with it abby it's eating away at my soul i can't do it anymore there was a moment of stunned silence on the other end of the line for a moment before Abby finally spoke up in a much warmer tone of voice. Proud of you, Hudson. You'll be even prouder of me when you hear what else I have to say, Hudson began. The dog and cat that I picked up tonight, Booster and Dexter, I'm not taking them to the pound. I'm bringing them home with me. I'm adopting them. He nuzzled the top of Dexter's head as he reached down to scratch behind Booster's ears. I can't see them locked away and possibly put down, especially not around this time of year. They're too sweet. They deserve to be in a loving home. I expected nothing less from you, Han. Abby replied. I'm so happy for you. Congratulations. Thanks, Hudson smiled, relieved that he had managed to patch things up with his co-worker. But there was still one other thing he had to ask her, and he needed to do so before his courage failed him. So speaking so fast that his words ran into one another, he blurted out, Would you like to drop in my family's Christmas party later today? Really? Abby asked, taken aback. Yeah. Hudson swallowed hard, his mouth dry all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, I just figured nobody should have to spend Christmas alone. And though he couldn't see her, he could envision a wide smile spreading across her face, judging from the tone of her voice when she answered a moment later, I'd love to. With butterflies fluttering excitedly around his stomach and feeling as though he could do somersaults, Hudson brightly exclaimed, Great, it's a date. Then realizing what he just said, he blushed and quickly added, I mean, if, if you want it to be. I know your divorce isn't finalized yet, so if you would prefer to just... A platonic thing, that's cool too. Totally fine. I just... Abby's laughter drowned out the rest of his thought. <laughs> it's a date, Hudson. Hudson smiled wide. Okay then, awesome. So uh, I guess I'll text you the address in the morning? Sounds perfect. All right, well, uh, I'll see you later then. Merry Christmas, Abby. Merry Christmas, Hudson. Get home and get some sleep. It's late. And with that, at Hudson hung up the phone with a laugh and fist-pumped the air excitedly. Staring down at Booster again, who was staring up at him with his head cocked curiously to one side, he exclaimed, Huh, how about that, huh? I've still got it! Woohoo!" He did a tiny skip and kissed Dexter on the head again. So overjoyed was he, in fact, that he didn't even register nearly bumping into a man. He passed walking in the opposite direction, as he and the animals approached his crashed truck in front of the statue of Atlas. Are those my boys? Look how big you've gotten. Megan Rankin, who had been watching the retreating backs of Marcello and Brittany as they walked up the way up the street, felt her blood run cold at the sound of the new voice that was approaching them. For a moment, she thought she might have been imagining things, but her worst fears were confirmed when beside her, Jake glanced over his shoulder the source. Dad? He asked stunned as his mouth dropped open. Megan turned to find that her ex-boyfriend, Tobias Martin, was slowly approaching them down the street, emerging from the darkness like some kind of demon from hell. The first thing she noticed about him was how thin and wiry he appeared. He looked absolutely sickly, a look which accentuated by the gray pallor of skin and the permanent bags under his eyes. Even from where she stood, she could tell from the way that his face and fingers switched that he was high on some sort of drug, and if those things didn't make it obvious enough, the fact that he was only wearing a sweatshirt in sub-zero temperatures, yet was sweating profusely, definitely gave it away. Noticing that Aaron took an instinctive, frightening step closer to her at the sight of his father, Megan threw a protective arm around his shoulders. What are you doing here, Toby? She asked defiantly as the man drew nearer couldn't pass up the opportunity to see my boys toby explained with a wide smile that showed off his yellow teeth as megan shivered at the way he emphasized the word mine out of the corner of her eyes the young mother noticed her son's teacher start staring at her with an inquisitive expression on her face this is my boy's father she informed her out of the corner of her mouth in response to the woman's unasked questions the guy told you to keep an eye out for today in case he tried to get in touch with Aaron." then loudly addressing her ex she asked how did you even know where to find us you were all over the news toby rubbed his hand over his unshaven face as he came to stop directly in front of his estranged family we were aaron asked as his fright momentarily gave way to amazement toby nodded your whole performance would broadcast live for the entire world to see The moment the words were out of his mouth, Patricia Warren began to peer around the immediate vicinity. She hadn't seen any cable news trucks, but then, standing on the sidewalk directly across the street from them, she spotted a young journalism student that had interviewed her and Felipe earlier, taking in their bustling surroundings with a keen and shrewd interest. They must have been the ones who had streamed the beautiful tableau online, and in the process been picked up by major news network. It made sense, she supposed, what with the president's presence at the scene. You were amazing, Toby continued. Who knew you could play so well? Anyone who's been an active person in his life for the past few years, Megan answered annoyed before asking, so what? You saw him playing on television and wanted to come down here to congratulate him in person? Don't act so surprised, Meg. Toby met her eyes with a dangerous glint flashing in his own. You're standing here pretending like you don't want me here but weren't you the one who called me from a ride when you were stranded at the airport this afternoon megan flushed hot at the words as beside her jake who had been unnaturally quiet from the moment his father had joined them asked incredulously you did yes i did and he didn't show up when we needed him megan spat without tearing her eyes from her ex what else is new she asked sarcastically I could barely open my front door due to all the snow, Toby exclaimed, motioning at the white stuff piled all around them. But it doesn't matter. I'm here now. He crouched down so that he was eye-level with Aaron, who flinched at how close he was to him. Their noses were mere inches apart. He hated the man, and he would never forgive him for how he treated his mother. In return, he was convinced that his father would never forgive him for being the main catalyst that caused his mother to eventually leave him. What I saw on television this evening was incredible. Every newscaster in the tri-state area wants to talk to you. You know, the boy who played his drum for the baby Jesus in the manger on Christmas morning and the president of the United States. Think about what you could ask from them in return if you did agree to do the rounds on the morning shows. All the money, he added wistfully, his eyes glazing over as he pictured it in his mind's eye. Aaron glanced down at the word. At which point, his father grabbed him firmly by the chin, forcefully shoving his head upward so that their eyes locked. Look at me when I'm talking to you, he said, his voice dropped to a steady, dangerous pitch. Anger flared up within Megan at the sight of her abusive ex touching her youngest son. Grabbing his wrist tightly, she ordered, Get your damn hands off of him. Taken aback by the sudden outburst, Toby slowly straightened up and stared down, stony-faced, into Megan's eyes all pretense of warmth and kindness gone from his own. Is grabbing me really something you wanted to have done? They were standing so close that his awful breath blew hot on her face as he talked. Megan didn't flinch, however. She knew that the man was trying to intimidate her, and she refused to back down or release him from her grip. Don't you ever touch my kids again, she warned. They're my kids too, Megan. You give the right to see them when you walked out on us, Tobias. Stay the hell away from them. "'Or what, huh?' Toby asked mockingly. "'What are you going to do?' "'See those cops?' Megan jerked her head across the street at the small crowd still gathered outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral, trying to catch a glimpse of the president and figuring out what had happened moments ago inside of the manger at the end of the Channel Gardens as they were corralled by members of the NYPD and Secret Service. "'We could always get them over here to settle this. "'I'm sure they'll take the side of the man who's clearly high on God knows what.' "'Are you threatening me?' Toby demanded. "'Huh?' He wrenched his wrist free from the woman's grip with such force that she stumbled backward. He didn't stop there, however, for as she began to overbalance, he shoved her harder into the chest. Hey! Patricia Warren exclaimed aghast as she caught the woman, who now had tears of anger and shame brimming into her eyes. Mom, are you okay? Aaron asked, panicked as he helped his teacher steady her on her feet. I'm fine, Megan stoically insisted as she brushed herself down. Don't worry, sweetie. Yeah, don't worry, sweetie, Toby mocked. Hey, leave them alone. Jake's sudden outburst caused the mouths of both Megan and Aaron to drop out in utter disbelief. Even Jake looked surprised by his own bravado. Despite the fact that he straightened up to his fullest height and stared at his father as though, seeing him clearly for the first time, his fists clenched at his sides. Toby, for his part, was astonished by what he was hearing. What'd you say to me? Jake, you don't have to, Megan began quickly. Leave them alone jake repeated don't you dare touch them toby sneered what some kind of tough guy now what are you about to do about it punk he quickly moved for the boy like a snake striking its victim but megan was too quick for him and slid between father and son in order to shield the latter the movement gave her ex pause clearly confounded by her newfound courage go home tobias she instructed quietly staring into the man's dark eyes and knowing in her heart that this would be their final goodbye Don't bother us again. If you ever do, I'm going to file a restraining order and have your house raided for whatever drugs you're storing there. You wouldn't. Try me, I dare you. I promise that I'll have you and that woman who's unfortunate enough to be living with you thrown in a dark hole. Tobias red in the face now and his eyes traveled from megan to his defiant looking older son to her cowering younger son to the young blonde woman who stood with the three appearing helpless and confused he shook with rage as a million different comebacks and threats raced through his mind but he finally but finally he settled on merely scoffing (laughs) fine have it your way bitch like i want anything to do with you or those two losers anyway good riddance and with that he turned on his heel and slunk away into the darkness disappearing as suddenly as he'd appeared When he was out of earshot, Megan, who was trembling uncontrollably, let out a long breath she didn't realize she had been holding. Though mingled happiness and relief coursed through her body over the fact that she and her children appeared to finally be rid of a toxic man for good, she couldn't help but feel a twinge of sadness as well. After all, there was a time she did love him. Forcing a smile onto her face, she turned to face her sons, unsure of what to say to them, and to her surprise, she was spared having to say anything by her oldest, who remarked, "'What an asshole.'" Megan laughed before jokingly reprimanding language mother and son met one another's eyes and a silent understanding passed between the two of them there was no need for words or apologies Jake finally understood what his father whom he had always idolized was actually like was enough for Megan it was the best Christmas gift she could have ever asked for and she knew that their experience that evening would bring the two of them slightly closer together I love you she kissed the her oldest son atop his head pink in the face jake mumbled i love you too aaron smiled proudly at his brother's new sense of maturity when a wave of exhaustion overcame him and he yawned loudly which turned his mother's attention to him aaron honey it's been such a long day and it's freezing we should get going to grandma and grandpa's house besides we need to get asleep or santa won't visit jake added causing his mother to smile down at him as aaron blearily nodded his agreement i should go back to the hotel myself miss warren chimed in uncertainly let felipe know that we found aaron though from the sound of things he may have already seen it on the news then adding in an undertone so only megan could hear her she added if you don't mind me saying you dodged a bullet getting out of that relationship megan laughed to herself (laughs) you don't have to tell me Though she was still upset with the woman over what transpired earlier that evening at Radio City, she felt so elated in the moment that she decided to let her anger go for the time being. And deep down, she knew she wouldn't pursue disciplinary action against the school down the line. So throwing her arms around her boy, she said, Merry Christmas, Patty. Merry Christmas, the young teacher remarked to the young family before she and them turned their backs to one another and began walking away from Rockefeller Center in separate directions. I owe you both an apology, Commanding Officer Lindsey Pendleton addressed her underlings as she turned to face Seamus Dwyer and Andrew Lee, with whom she was still directing members of the public from crossing Fifth Avenue and getting anywhere near the President of the United States or her entourage. For overreacting earlier, she elaborated as she pushed a loose strand of red hair out of her face. The woman hated apologies and always ended up sounding awkward when forced to give them, but this time, She knew she absolutely had to after what the two men had pulled off that evening. Even though you should never have given that interview in the first place, she added pointedly. It was a stupid thing to do, but she shrugged. Well, we all know what journalists are like. Seamus and Andrew exchanged an uncertain glance. The former doing his best to suppress an impressed grin. In all of their years on the force, neither of them had ever received a full-throated apology from the woman they were receiving one from now pink in the face, their superior plowed on. You two came through for me again in the end, just like you always do. I don't know how you constantly manage to do it, mind you. She added with an incredulous laugh. But you do. Well, actually, I think tonight, ow, Andrew exclaimed, grabbing his right side where his partner had just elbowed him hard in order to silence him. It's just a combination of being good at our jobs and lady luck. Seamus replied with a nonchalant shrug as he threw his partner a warning glance. Now wasn't the time to downplay how little their investigative skills had actually helped them that night. Lindsay's eyes narrowed suspiciously as she peered between the two officers. At any rate, she continued, the fact that you two not only found the president and the missing child tonight, but also helped a pageant woman in distress, she shook her head in amazement. You two deserve to keep your jobs do and i promise you that tomorrow morning i'll go to bat for you with commissioner burke i'll save your jobs she nodded as though it were she herself who needed convincing Seamus and andrew both felt an extraordinary amount of relief at the words in response to which the former let out a cathartic laugh and the latter's shoulders literally dropped as his stress dissipated thank you he breathed you are the best Seamus informed his superior locking eyes with the woman i promise you we promise you Andrew corrected you won't regret this shameless finish i better not Lindsay seriously warned before allowing a small smile to unfold across her face consider it my christmas gift to you both don't bother coming into police plaza tomorrow i'll handle it myself just enjoy the rest of your holiday breaks that i tore you away from today and if there's anything else i could do for either of you don't hesitate to let me know "'I don't suppose you could get me to Boston by sunrise "'so I can be with my kids when they wake up "'to open their Christmas gifts,' Seamus joked. Lindsay considered the man for a moment, her lips pursed. "'An outlandish idea struck her "'as she mulled over the request "'that she knew wasn't entirely serious, "'and yet there was a chance it just might be able to work. "'Let me see what I can do,' she answered, "'smirking in response to the man's expression of surprise. "'And without another word, she strode off "'in the direction of where President Williams stood "'on the opposite side of the street,' talking to her chief of staff and the two foreign prime ministers to the immediate right of the life-size manger. After exchanging a confused, fleeting glance, Seamus and Andrew hurried after her, wondering what the woman had up her sleeve. Madam President! What the hell are you doing? Commissioner Burke rounded on his subordinates with barely concealed, embarrassed anger, and his face went white as a ghost upon seeing them hurrying toward the president. Excuse me, he said apologetically to Clint and Melissa, who were looking at him curiously before he jogged away after them. Madam President! Emily Williams, who had been conversing with her husband, her chief of staff, Special Agent David Wells, Nathan Dubois, and Miranda Richardson, politely turned to face the commanding officer of the NYPD's Midtown North Precinct. Ah, Officer Pendleton, she smiled. Is everything all right? Everything's fine, Madam President. Commissioner Burke panted pointedly, desperately trying to catch his breath, as he came to a hurried stop beside his officers. Then, out of the corner of his mouth, through gritted teeth, as he threw Lindsay a dirty look, he demanded, Stop whatever it is you're thinking of doing right now. Defiantly, Lindsay ignored the man and motioned to Seamus and Andrew, who stood sheepishly beside her. This is Officer Seamus Dwyer and Officer Andrew Lee, she introduced them to the President. We've had the pleasure of meeting, Emily said before amending, well, unofficially anyway. She shook each of the men's hand in turn. It's nice to officially meet you both. Excellent work back there delivering the baby. She jerked her head at the manger behind them as each of the prime ministers politely introduced themselves to the cops. Thank you, ma'am, Andrew replied as Seamus inclined his head slightly in acknowledgement, two stars struck to talk. They are my best officers, Lindsay continued, as though she hadn't paused talking in the first place. Which, when you think about it, is a really sad state of affairs, Bert growled impatiently, considering the -the off-the-cuff, on-the-record interview they gave to the student journalist while on the clock. Ah, Emily used her full hand to push her glasses up the bridge of her nose. So you were the two who criticized not only how Mayor DeBellis Manages aspects of this city but how me and my administration run the country too she peered closely at the contrite looking men swaying slightly on the spot due to the fact that he was still slightly tipsy noticing this bobby and anna each grabbed one of her arms as they could manage to help steady the woman and keep her standing we uh we we could have handled the situation better admittedly andrew muttered though our criticisms are valid Shamelessly, boldly pointed out, throwing the now irate Commissioner Burke a dark look as Lindsay rolled her eyes. Nevertheless, Andrew threw his partner a warning glance. We probably shouldn't have talked to the reporter, student or not, while wearing our uniforms. No, you shouldn't have, Commander Burke and Lindsay agreed in unison. In fairness, it wasn't entirely our fault, Seamus explained defensively. The girl was savvy, and she all but baited us into... So- sorry to interrupt, Emily held up a silencing hand. But firstly, you don't need to apologize for the remarks you made earlier. I swore an oath to the Constitution, and part of that oath is defending your First Amendment rights. Commissioner Burke scoffed in disbelief at the statement as the president continued. And secondly, did you say student journalist? When Seamus nodded, she asked, She didn't happen to be a young, blonde, tenacious woman. Did she? Whose bearded boyfriend was following her around with the camera? That's them, Andrew replied, as Shamus added. Very good-looking couple. Emily turned to face Nathan and Miranda. Well, that explains that. They're the same ones that we ourselves talked to earlier today, Nathan explained to the cops. The literal embodiment of why I do my best to avoid talking to the press whenever I can, Miranda chimed in. I can't imagine why your approval ratings are in a dive back home... Anna sarcastically noted as she scrolled through the countless emails and voicemails that were coming through on her phone. People hate transparency. Miranda's mouth dropped open, affronted as Commissioner Burke spoke up. Regardless of how good at her job some young girl is or isn't, the two of you shouldn't have made comments like that while on duty. While wearing your uniforms, I don't know how I'm going to placate DeBellis, short of firing both of you. Hell, I should fire all three of you. He rounded on Lindsay, who determinedly avoided the man's eyes, as her years-long career flashed before her very own. Fire them? Emily raised an eyebrow. Why on earth would you fire them? If anything, they deserve a raise. Seamus's heart skipped a beat as he exchanged a look of disbelief, first with Andrew, and then with Lindsay, as Commissioner Burke spurted, A raise? delivered a woman's baby outside in a manger on christmas morning in the middle of a blizzard emily pointed out with nothing more than the coats on their backs and their hands they found my wife and the prime ministers here after they snuck out something which the rest of your cops and our secret service detail for that matter were unable to do anna pointed out as david wells nathan dubois and miranda richardson nodded in agreement and as if all of this weren't enough They found that missing child from Florida, Aaron Rankin, Lindsay added, piously as Burke rounded on her, his face a darker shade of red than the hair on the top of her head. All of which I think we can agree is a reflection upon how commanding officer Pendleton runs her precinct and delegates responsibility, Emily adjusted her glasses. So again, I think the last thing these three officers should be is fired. But if you and Major DeBellis insist on going down that route, I'd be happy to personally intervene on their behalf. As Commissioner Burke stuttered incomprehensibly, opening and closing his mouth, unable to form words in response to this sudden turn of events, Lindsay, now swelling with confidence that she had the most powerful person in the world in her corner, she saw an opening to deliver the best cop on her team the perfect Christmas gift. Madam President, she began. Officer Dwyer Seamus here, she grabbed the man in question, gave up part of his vacation to help keep the streets of New York secure during your visit. Officer Lee, Andrew, did too, of course. She acknowledged him with a nod. But Seamus, his family left town for the holidays just before winter storm Elsa hit land. And as a father of two young children, I'm sure he'd obviously love to be there with them when they wake up later this morning. I'm sure you can appreciate that as a mother and a grandmother yourself. Emily nodded as Miranda sarcastically noted. Wouldn't we all like that? Ignoring the woman, Emily stated, I can't imagine. Where does your family live, Seamus? Boston, Seamus meekly replied. The same city where you and your husband, Lindsay nodded at Bobby, who smiled politely, are going to be flying yourselves momentarily for the holiday. Is there any way, perhaps, you could possibly find it in your heart to give Officer Dwyer a ride home on Air Force One as a reward for his service tonight? An early Christmas gift, if you will. Seamus's mouth dropped open in surprise as Andrew threw him an incredulous look. Neither of them, though extraordinarily confident, would have ever had the gall to ask such an enormous favor from such an important figure. And it was the moxie that the woman showed that finally made Commissioner Burke find his voice once again and erupt. Are you out of your mind, he demanded, as Anna stared up from her phone in shock. What's the harm in asking, Lindsay shrugged, still trying to do her best to avoid eye contact with her superior. Though she was certain that she was doing the right thing for Seamus, she also knew she'd be in enormous trouble later. Even if the support of the president had shown earlier would be enough to save her job. (laughs) There's no harm in asking at all. Emily answered the rhetorical question before glancing at her husband, who silently nodded at her. In fact, I would be honored to fly Officer Dwyer home to his family. Commissioner Burke's face looked like an eggplant now. He was fuming so badly. Andrew thought there was actually a realistic chance that he might have a heart attack. The man's purple pallor didn't even register with Seamus, however, who grinned wide. He couldn't believe it. It was the perfect ending to a day that had started out as bland and unexciting a day as he could conceive of. He would make it home in time to spend Christmas morning with his family, and in the process, he might just save his marriage. Finally glancing at his longtime partner, he could tell the man was genuinely thrilled for him. Congratulations, man. They high-fived. Well-deserved. Seamus turned toward the president. Thank you so much. I... It's my pleasure," Emily interrupted, waving her hand dismissively in the air. "Tis the season and all." Turning to face Lindsay again, Seamus lowered his voice as the ginger woman stared up into his eyes. "Thank you. I—I I don't think I could ever." <laughs> "Thank you." "Don't mention it," Lindsay insisted before jokingly adding, "Though you owe me." Seamus laughed as Emily glanced at New York City's police commissioner. She could tell that the man was apoplectic, so before he dropped dead from a stroke or exploded so loudly it would necessitate Secret Service interference, she suggested. Commissioner Burke, would you be a dear and go let Clint and Melissa know that we'll have a guest flying with us on Air Force One this evening? Burke looked as though that were the last thing he wanted to do, but not wanting to argue with the President of the United States. He gave a curt nod and hurried across the street toward the two Secret Service agencies who were still managing... The quickly thinning crowd of people that had emerged from midnight mass. When he was out of earshot, Andrew glanced down at his watch and addressed Lindsay. Well, if you don't need me anymore. Get going, Lindsay insisted. Enjoy your holiday break. I'll see you at the precinct in the new year. Thank you again for everything, Andrew said. Thank you. Elated that he was given another confirmation that he still had a job, Andrew wrapped his arm around Shagmus and hugged him tightly. Merry Christmas, brother. Good luck with Ashley. Good luck with Barry and with your family, Seamus replied, patting the man forcefully on the back. Let me know how it goes. Of course, give my love to Ash and the kids. And once Seamus confirmed that he would, Andrew started off down the busy street with the intention to head straight home and save his relationship. As the officer was engulfed by the dark of night, Anna glanced up from her phone to address her boss and her two foreign counterparts. Judging from the coverage on Twitter and the fact that my phone is still blowing up, it looks like Gary sent out the press release about your call with Russia and detailing the preliminary details of the Acer agreement. I thought we agreed on the CARE Act, Nathan politely asked. Ignoring the Canadian, Emily said, Perhaps it would be a good idea to get in front of a camera and address it directly before flying out of here. Do you think that's a good idea? Bobby asked. Gently, noticing how his wife still swayed where she stood and slurred her words. "'Well, if you really want to, you'll get your chance momentarily,' Anna pointed out. "'The traveling press pool is on its way. According to Gary, they weren't happy when they found out that you left your hotel without them in tow.'" "'Who the hell told them?' Miranda demanded. "'You were caught on camera watching the child play his drum at the manger for those parents.'" Anna held out her phone to show the three world leaders a video clip of the scene that was doing the rounds on all the major news networks. Apparently, a college website streamed it live, and it was picked up from there, which is how the press pool figured out your location prior to me placing the call for your motorcade. A college website, Emily repeated. Which one? NYU? Emily blinked in surprise as she straightened her glasses does that mean the person who caught us on camera uh, that would be me the small group turned to find elizabeth Mayer and noah clark attempting to approach them from midway across the street as clint melissa and commissioner burke attempted to keep them away holding up a hand so that her security detail allowed the college students to pass the president smiled well 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 look who it is we meet again i should have known This is the girl, Seamus explained in an undertone to Lindsay, the one who interviewed me and Andrew earlier. Then, rounding on the young woman, he sternly said, You caused us a lot of grief. Elizabeth blushed at the words, but stood firm. I didn't have a gun to your head. I didn't force you or your partner to say what you said. I was just doing my job. By springing gotcha questions on us, Miranda cocked an eyebrow. You know, with an attitude like that, You really will make an excellent reporter one day. Elizabeth blinked in surprise as Noah beamed down at her and Emily nodded her agreement before chiming in. As such, I think it's only appropriate that we give you our first on-screen statement about our historic preliminary agreement with Russia tonight. What do you think? The college girl didn't know who was more surprised. Her, the prime minister, the president's husband, her chief of staff, or the woman's security detail. She stared incredulously up at her boyfriend who smiled enthusiastically down at her. Before she could vocalize what she was feeling, however, the president gently asked, Can we go live, please? Of course, Elizabeth stuttered as Noah fumbled with the heavy camera. Walking over to stand directly in front of the empty manger so that she would be framed with the center of it with the Rockefeller Christmas tree looming behind her, she addressed the college students as Nathan and Miranda hesitantly positioned themselves on either side of her. How do we look? You look great," Noah insisted, staring through, staring at the three world leaders through the camera. Can we get the rest of you in the shot behind her? Elizabeth asked, turning to face the Secret Service, the first gentleman, and the chief of staff. It'll give the statement more urgency. While Bobby and Anna complied immediately, the three members of Secret Service and the three members of the NYPD did so a little less enthusiastically. Indeed, Emily couldn't tell who was grumbling more—her longtime bodyguards or the police commissioner elizabeth meanwhile studied the scene closely before asking her boyfriend how does it look perfect he insisted you ready when elizabeth nodded he began fumbling with the controls of the camera placed on his shoulder when its red light blinked into life he signaled to the president that it was okay to begin talking taking a deep breath emily forced a smile onto her face as she stared directly into the camera my fellow americans this holiday season has always been a time for miracles a time to reflect on the goodness of humanity and reflect on the promise that the birth of Jesus Christ reiterated to the people of this world, the promise of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Too often in the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season we lose sight of the holiday's true meaning, but the entire world got a poignant reminder of it late this evening on this most holy of nights. Emily paused in order to straighten her glasses and collect her thoughts as the beautiful major scene she happened to stumble upon by happenstance burned vividly at the forefront of her mind. Tonight, right here in the heart of New York City, another baby was born in a manger. She motioned at the empty wooden structure behind her, and beneath the glowing star of this beautiful Christmas tree, she served as a reminder of the true reason for the season. I know it did for me, at least. Nathan and Miranda silently nodded their agreement beside her. And it was in this pervasive spirit of peace on earth and goodwill toward men that earlier today, myself, Prime Minister Dubois and Prime Minister Richardson reached a preliminary agreement with President Ivanov of Russia to work de-escalating tensions between East and West, which we plan on codifying officially into a binding deal called the Acer Agreement right after the holidays, hopefully with the support of the rest of the international community whom we will be pushing to join us to sign this historic document. Though mostly symbolic as it stands now, it serves as an important gesture of goodwill on the parts of all four of our nations to strive toward better, more diplomatic relations. Indeed, despite only verbally agreeing to the groundwork of the future agreement mere hours ago, the results have already been tangible. Russia has withdrawn its warships from western waters and is no longer pointing their nukes directly at us from their borders. In return, we've done the same, a far cry from hours ago when we were ready to launch a preemptive airstrike on Russia's ships. Behind her, Emily heard Anna gasp at her public admission, and she could imagine the eyes of Nathan and Miranda widening in shock on either side of her. She knew that the media, Congress, the public, and the international audience would probably focus excessively on this little tidbit, but she didn't care. She had to clear her conscience. And so, after using her entire hand to push her glasses up the bridge of her nose, she plowed on. That was the true reason for the prime minister's trip to New York this Christmas Eve, to join me in launching a coordinated missile strike against Russia as a united show of force against the Kremlin. Admittedly, it wasn't her finest hour. She paused solemnly here for a moment. Nevertheless, we saw the light and found reason in the end. We realized that peace was more desirable than war. And just as attainable. Hopefully, this modern day Christmas Eve truce that we've managed to strike, just like the modern day major scene we were blessed enough to witness, and just like the birth of Jesus all those years ago, will serve as a reminder for generations to come about the power of finding common ground and non violent solutions, a reminder that how important it is to strive for peace on earth and goodwill toward man. And with that, I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday to you and yours. May God bless the United States of America and the entire world. Thank you. Emily smiled into the camera for a few moments until the red light atop of it went out, and the bearded college student holding it said, We're good. Excellent. Emily dropped her shoulders with a contented sigh of relief. Elizabeth gaped at the president. I can't thank you enough for doing that for me. You don't have to mention it, Emily interrupted. Somebody as young as yourself with the tenacity you've shown deserve the exclusive. You'll make an excellent journalist one day. Seamus pursed his lips at the words, still annoyed by the amount of trouble the young woman had caused for him and Andrew earlier, but said nothing. Anna, meanwhile scrolling through her phone again, remarked, The major networks already picked up the video. Oh? Emily turned to face her chief of staff. And? Reactions are mixed, Anna replied, phrasing the news... In the nicest way she possibly could Miranda snorted (laughs) mixed is the best way we could have hoped for given the fact that you announced on live television that we nearly started World War three earlier with our missile strikes Emily shrugged well we did your speeches never fail to surprise me madam president Nathan pointed out with a smile Emily laughed as Bobby stepped forward well it looks like you three are about to get a chance to further explain yourselves if you want he nodded up the street where three news vans rounded the corners as fast as they were able to given the icy conditions of the road. Luckily for the three world leaders, however, the presidential motorcade was right behind them. There's a ride, Emily remarked. Clinton Melissa, she rounded on her Secret Service agents. Could you perhaps She jerked her head at the news vans that had screeched to a halt a little ways down the street, out of which the three reporters and their crews had been following them all day began to hastily exit from of course madam president clinton intoned and why don't you take agent wells here with you emily suggested noticing the young agent standing off to the side alone then leaning closer to whisper to her head of security she instructed "And don't be so hard on him it wasn't his fault that we snuck out earlier clint pursed his lips in annoyance but nodded his head nevertheless and as he, Melissa, and David Wells moved to head off Lee Alvarez, Susan Montrose, and Graham Porter, Emily called after them. Oh, and guys, it's good to see you. Each agent flashed her a smile in return before turning their backs to her once again. Commissioner Burke, why don't you go to help them too? When the mustachioed man acquiesced to the commander-in-chief, she added as he began to walk away, I do hope you keep in mind what I said about Officers Pendleton, Dwyer, and Lee. Of course, Madam President, Burke angrily replied through gritted teeth before hurrying away, and the presidential motorcade rolled to a gentle stop in front of them. Emily remarked, Come on, let's get you out of here. Yes, please, Miranda stressed as a Secret Service agent opened the door of the beast for them to climb into, inside of which... Renee and Jasper were sitting with Gary, who was urging them to stay inside the limo, despite their clear desire to scramble out of it and embrace their spouses. Next time, I must insist we have this gathering in London. Oh, I don't know, Madam Prime Minister. Nathan laughed as he climbed into the limousine after her. Canada is always a viable option as well. Emily chuckled before turning to face Seamus as her husband climbed into the limo. Officer Dwyer? Would you mind terribly riding in the next car? I feel it's going to be a tight squeeze in the beast as it is. Not at all. Seamus blinked in surprise, grateful that the woman even gave him an option in the matter. Excellent. Once aboard Air Force One, I'd love to talk to you about the ideas you and Officer Lee have in improving the management of the city. (laughs) Okay, Seamus stammered. Then turning to Lindsay one final time, he muttered his last sincere thank you. Before hurrying over to the second car in the motorcade. Smiling to herself, Lindsay rejoined Commander Burke in helping him to keep the media at bay after one last goodbye to the President, who turned to smile at her Chief of Staff. Thank you, she said, for your hard work, spot on advice, and friendship these past two days. It's been a whirlwind, Anna admitted with a laugh. Did I manage to make you fall in love with Christmas like I promised you I would? <laughs> you definitely showed me how exciting it can be, Anna admitted. Oh, well, just six more years in office for the love to follow. Emily winked before either woman could say anything. Miranda called from inside the beast. Emily, let's go. I want to go home. Rolling her eyes, Emily wished Elizabeth and Noah a very Merry Christmas before climbing into the car with her chief of staff. The moment they were securely inside of it, Clint, Melissa, and David ran over to climb in the front of it at which point the motorcade took off down the street. As Elizabeth watched the traveling press scramble back into their vans to take off after them, she breathlessly asked her boyfriend, did that really just happen? Noah stared down at her. Yep, we managed to go live twice and we were picked up by the national news both times. What was it you were saying about not receiving that extra credit again? Elizabeth laughed as she hugged her boyfriend, unable to believe her luck. Behind his back, she spotted a beautiful, very feminine, and familiar-looking red-headed man standing across the street staring at them. When their eyes met, he smiled wide and winked at her. Taken aback, Elizabeth blinked in surprise only to find the man was gone, seemingly have disappeared into thin air. Had he been there to begin with, or had she imagined him? "'Honestly, Liz,' Noah began, shaking the woman from her thoughts as they swayed on the spot, still wrapped in one another's embrace. I don't know how you have such good luck. You must have a shamrock lodged up your ass or a guardian angel looking out for you or something. Yeah. Elizabeth stared at the spot she had imagined the man had been standing a moment ago. Yeah, maybe. Then, pulling away from her boyfriend, she gave him a swift peck on the lips. Let's go home. Really? Elizabeth nodded. If we leave now, we'll be there in time to open gifts with my family in the morning. Smiling, Noah took the woman's hand as they slowly started down the street. They're gonna be so proud of you. I'm more excited for them to meet my hunky boyfriend than to brag to them about my day. And as Noah laughed at her comment, Emily threw one last glance at the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Its star still shining brighter than she had ever seen it before and the empty manger feet away from them. In the years to come, she imagined this would rank up there as one of the best Christmases in her life. But there and then, in that very moment, She knew she wanted to live in the present and enjoy it. So she rested her head on Noah's shoulder. She allowed herself to take in the snow and twinkling lights of New York City as they slowly and silently walked down the street.
2: Thanks for that, Tom. That was awesome. Just like you yourself are awesome. And while I have been continuously blown away by all of our guest readers throughout the year, I am always glad to be reminded about how amazing you and julia are as well just like all of our listeners are amazing for eagerly having taken this year-long journey with us which ends in two more weeks so i appreciate each and every one of y'all so please keep all of the feedback coming because it has really been appreciated and helpful and please consider sharing this story with your family and friends on your social media feeds while tagging streaming services like netflix hbo max hulu hallmark because you never know in order to get it in front of as many ears as possible or as many eyes because if reading is more of your thing or more of their thing the text of each chapter you hear is made available on our website each week as well at www.tisapodcast.com dot and if you enjoy Tis Podcast proper, if you ever want to comment on a movie or a television show we discuss, give us feedback on a specific episode, comment on this book, or just interact with us and other listeners of the show in general, check out our social media feeds. All you have to do to get to each one is go to www.tisapodcast.com slash Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, or Facebook group. Our Facebook group is by far the most active of our social media pages. It's busy year-round, and not just with christmas chatter although that's obviously our primary focus especially now that we are in the most wonderful time of the year proper but the rest of the year in addition to christmas talk there's plenty of talk about pop culture comic books movies tv shows memes and other holidays as well especially those other bird month holidays we all love like halloween and thanksgiving which lead up to the most wonderful day of the year itself it's also kind of become a one-stop shop for many of the christmas podcasts that you know and love on the christmas podcast network so not only will you find new episodes of tis podcast there and get to interact with julia tom and myself there but you'll also find new episodes of behind the bells christmas podcasts podcast season's eatings totally rad christmas christmas clatter tgi podcast a cozy christmas podcast advent calendar house podcast planning for christmas all of your favorites posted there as well and find all the hosts of said shows you know and love on the website too always willing to interact with anyone and everyone about anything a mini international christmas family has truly formed within that facebook group and it is by far the thing that julia tom and myself are most proud of in terms of what has grown out of this show but speaking of the show, if you want more bonus episodes, Christmas cards, enamel pins, ringtones, etc., check out our Patreon page at wwwpatreoncom tizapodcast or www.tizapodcast.comslash Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you can get full length bonus episodes of the show. There's plenty of backlogged content up there right now, so now is the time to consider joining. If you've been on the fence about it, or if you've been a member in the past but dropped off, now is the time to consider rejoining. There's truly something up there for everyone, and all the money we receive from y'all gets recycled back into Tis Podcast proper and helps us put out new swag and improve the quality of the show in general. There are other free ways to help the podcast, however, including leaving us a review on iTunes because every new review helps new listeners to find us and helps us to spread the Christmas cheer 365 days per year coming up on the show this upcoming monday december 20th we will be dropping our episode in which we cover the 1974 rankin bass animated classic twas the night before christmas which fittingly will serve as our last proper episode before christmas 2021 itself in addition on Friday, December 24th, Christmas Eve, you'll get your annual story, which will be read to you by myself, Tom, and Julia. Before that, however, this upcoming Thursday, december sixteenth, you will get to hear the final chapter of another Christmas story, which will be read to you by professional author and listener of the show, Nicole Little. But don't worry, just because it's the final chapter doesn't mean it's the final installment, because next Thursday, December twenty third, Christmas Adam, Christmas Eve Eve, the night the day before the night before Christmas, Festivus, Tibbs Eve, whatever you want to call it, we will be dropping the epilogue of another Christmas story, which the elf with the best voice miss julia colburn will be reading to you and i can think of no better person to bring the story to a close and that is not all on monday december 20th the same day our episode on twas the night before christmas will be dropping in your main feeds we will be recording our episode on the brand new hbo max original movie 8-bit christmas based on the book of the same name which will drop in your feeds on monday december 27th and excitingly enough we will be joined by not one but two special guests for that episode mr jerry d of totally rad christmas and miss april riley making her long overdue return to the podcast so we're excited to talk with both of them about this film so, obviously, we have lots of fun stuff coming up, lots of exciting stuff coming up, but that's not the most exciting news we have for you today. The most exciting news we have for you today is, you guessed it, there are only 11 Days until christmas we are almost in single digits by the time you hear the second installment of another christmas story this week we will be in single digits christmas is next week we are under two weeks away can you believe that where has the time gone enjoy the rest of the ride because in the blink of an eye it's going to be over and we're going to be counting down until christmas 2022 so make the most of christmas 2021 and what's left of it and december once again thank you all for your love and support we couldn't ask for better listeners in the world than all of you you're truly the best and we are so blessed we get to consider you all legitimate friends and so many of you family make sure to do your homework watch twas the night before christmas and an 8-bit christmas and we shall speak to you again this upcoming thursday with the next installment of another christmas story Bye, y'all. Chestnuts
1: roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows